named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add, adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to another episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Sam Hunter and I am not joined as ever by Mark Worrell this week, but I am privileged uh, to share the mic, I guess. We don't have a stage, do we? Uh, With a truly world-class agent in her own right. She's young, she's experienced, she's raw and real. And I think, I haven't done these numbers because I don't have TikTok, but I think she's the most followed individual estate agent on social media in the UK. And thankfully, she is here today to save you, the listener, from me talking for 20 minutes about how you should make 20 phone calls every day. I've just described her as calm, warm, and inviting. So she might be the antithesis of me. Tanya Baker, welcome back to the World Class Agency podcast. Thanks, Sam. It's a privilege to be back. Second well, it's good happy. to have you here. We were just saying before we hit record that uh, a lot's changed in 18 months, which is about uh, the time it's been since uh, the first time you joined us on the show and now. So last time you were here, you said that uh, your idea or what world-class agency meant to you was that you would chase relationships rather than transactions. So ha- has that changed in 18 months and if it has or is there what do you think world-class real estate looks like to you now no I think I think it's still it's still very much the same this in the sense of it's always about people mm. and it's funny I just posted a, a, a post this I, put a po- I posted a post it's gone live this morning basically saying about yesterday I had a, a young lady call me asking for uh, work experience and she was like I love property I just love real estate and because of how often I hear that, I'm like, this role, I think it's, I'm, I'm quite honoured and like, you know, flattered that it, it's made look, to look so glamorous online, but actually it's not about property and it's not about mm-hmm. architecture and the interiors and everything. Yes, it kind of on the face value is, but actually behind the scenes, it's all about people and you're always putting, you know, others' needs before yours, a bit like we were chatting about before as well, but yeah, I think it's it's always, always, always about people and property second. And but chasing those relationships is still as more as important as ever. Yeah. I, I think I probably have lost count on the amount of uh whether it's emails or phone calls that I've had from people who want to get out of state agency and into supplier land, like prop tech, because they don't like people. <laughs> it's funny I, I i actually joke that if you don't if you love property but you don't like dealing with people you should become a surveyor because I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah like there's other jobs if you really just love property like you're like i just love bricks and mortar then a state agency is not for you because it's such a people-based role mm. you know you are literally thr- you are throwing yourself in the midst of so many emotions when you're moving people that you can't be like yeah well i don't really want to deal with that today because it just doesn't work like that it doesn't. I think actually, what an ad for surveying. If you love bricks and mortar and you love having a little laser pointer, that is the job for you. Hate people, love property, surveying 101. 
this is your people job. and maybe have a, a slight inkling for what, you know, a good eye for design or something like that, what's going to be emotive and you can help sell it, maybe think about property. Yeah. On your on your world class answer, and if it, it still is about relationships, and I would have been very surprised if you'd said no, nah, I don't think it is anymore. Um, you are uh, very well followed and very well known, and now very well versed on social media. And I promise you that I've thought about uh, this episode. We're not just going to talk about social media, so we'll park that elephant after this question, and we'll move on to some more interesting stuff. But I want to ask you if state agency is about people. And if, if world-class estate agency is about relationships, how does social media help you build relationships? I think it's an incredible, like anyone that's not doing it, and this goes for small, small, small independent agents and also big agents that are not giving their staff the opportunity to present themselves online. I think that it it's such a great opportunity to just, just build, build like a true... I don't know a, a reality on on the screen of what what it's like to be an agent and well a snippet of that say and just to build trust and share things like advice because you know something might happen in in a, in a day to life and it happened um yeah just every every day and I think god that's really annoying but it's happened a million times but then I share it once on a story and people are like oh my gosh I didn't even know about that mm. and it it's it's some of the things like the, the, the lingo that we use as estate agents. And someone said to me, oh, what does it mean to to exchange? And I thought, like, how do you not know that? But then I thought, well, why would you know that? If you're not mm. an estate agent, why would, you, why would you not know that? And um, why, why would you know that? And I think that the the more you can give, like the online and not just, oh, you know, look at this new property, look what I've sold, look what I've done. The more advice you can give, the more knowledge you can share and the more true and authentic you can, you can be to yourself, the more opportunities you open up to do more business and it's and it's kind of like a it's it's a win-win really you get to be yourself and you get to build trust and likability with people which is lovely because some of the feedback you get is just wonderful but then you also there's people out there that's like what I said last time people are always watching and they mm. they always are I get people reach out they're like I've been following you since last year and we've decided to sell our home and I'm like you sat there silent this is your first message to me and you sat there silent for a year so yeah I think that it's it's a great way to show your personality without being this shiny suit, mm. typical agent that most people think that that we are. And it, it presents you with an opportunity to, to come across as a real human. I, I was thinking as you were um, talking about, well, firstly, the point of maybe a big agency doesn't give their people the opportunity to have a voice, or maybe there's an independent agent that's a little bit <clears throat> freaked out about what they think they have to do and who they think they have to be rather than just being themselves. And, and I'll be honest as, as somebody who's, you know, uh, found consistency and lost it and numerous times in terms of social media, sometimes it's a scary thing to be yourself because you think, what if people don't like me? Um, and I, I just wonder if there's a perception from a lot of people who are perhaps of the generation above us, we're calling ourselves young. I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to hitch my ride to you on the youth train, right? Even though I've probably got, uh, a few years on you, Tanya. Do you think there's still a perception that social media isn't for business and it's still just where the kids put their drunk photos from the weekend or people take pictures of their food? Because I, I think it's interesting. Whenever I Google something new, my Instagram becomes a funnel for all the educational thing about whatever I've just Googled or whatever I happen to click on, on Facebook because they're connected. And it's become a really 
educational tool for me. I actually follow more things that interest me on Instagram than I do my friends. Um, I wouldn't call, know if I call it business media, but do you think that that's still a perception out there for some people and that's what's holding them back? Absolutely. And I think there's room for every, I mean, you've got people like there's, there's one guy I follow on TikTok. He's a, he's a professional snagger. I mean, that's not exactly a fun job, but he, he looks at it and, and he, he, he's just got this one line and I can't even think what it is. Absolutely shocking. That's it. He's Welsh. <laughs> and that was a good he, accent. Hello to our Welsh and, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he goes, look at this guy's absolutely shocking. And then it, but every, and he's, he's a snagger. Like that's not a fun job, but he's built a following. Hmm. There's a guy out there with, I don't even can't remember his name, but he's got millions of followers off the back of cleaning a pool. And I know, you know, that, you know, the guy I'm talking about, everyone knows. So there's an opportunity for everyone in any role, I think, perhaps not maybe like solicitors, because that would be a little bit uh, a breach of conflict of interest and so on. But in a sense of, I mean, even then, there's I've seen solicitors that give advice mm-hmm. on law, um, divorce and professional advice. That, so they give snippets, you know, what if this, what if that? There's a, there's a young guy that asks his mum every time. So actually, you know, I'm wrong there. But I think, yeah, I think every business has an opportunity to share their knowledge with with an audience. and Instagram and TikTok have moved from well, Instagram, especially you've moved from, oh, let me take a picture of my avocado toast to um, a search engine. So you can mm. search for you can search for anything and everything, recipes, you know, a, a, a inspiration, whatever it is you're doing with your house or whatever. So everything is at your fingertips. And so to to not be in front, like putting yourself out there on those platforms, it just seems a bit, I don't know, like I couldn't imagine not doing it now. I think yeah, I think everyone's got an opportunity to be putting themselves online and sharing what they know and their knowledge because Instagram and TikTok are, are more search engine, more like search engines now. They are adapting into that very clever and they show you the things you like. You can like one thing mm. and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've seen that they like that and they'll show them more. So, you know, I think that I think that it's it's not necessarily a place where I think as well, when you, when, and I was saying this to someone the other day, I started out exactly as you said on, on social media, being someone that I, not, not in a bad way, but being someone of what I thought I had to be. Mm. And it's me, you know, best part of 18 months. I'd say beginning of this year, I started to find who I was by doing the, the voiceovers and putting a bit of creative flair in the, in the, in the posts through that. And that's, and even then I was like, oh, are people going to, are they going to like that? I've made a little joke there. Is that okay? And they love, and it was well received. Like, you know, they like it. So, but you, you do have to find that place of this is who I am and I'm going to share all my knowledge in the way that's true to me. And if people like that, great. If they don't, then that's just, you're always, you're never going to win everyone. And I, I have a saying, it's like, you, you can't be everyone's cup of tea, otherwise you'd be a mug. Um, <laughs> and it's so true, right? Um, it's it, true. Yeah, so I think you just have to go out there, share your knowledge in, in what you do and just be true to yourself. Where did your courage uh, to, to do all that come from? On social media? Yeah. Um, I, I suppose the thing, there was this, for a few years there's been agents that have done things on social media. I've, I've had social media since I had my Facebook page in 2009 and then Instagram 2011, so for some years. And I've watched the rise of, so back then, years ago, my my interest was was fitness, believe it or not. And I used to follow a lot of, you know, you know girls, ladies back then. And then that some of those same girls, ladies back then from 10 years ago are 
they're, they're millions of followers have got you know sponsorships they built a whole career off the back of just staying consistent posting about something they love mm. and so I looked at it and I thought oh gosh first of all you think uh oh, 10 years ago it's too late like I should should I even bother at all but there's you know this if you if you don't start now you know it's like if not now then when kind of thing so you just have to start and I think it's just I don't know I don't, I don't know the courage I don't really know the the confidence to do it I think it's more a case of you you have to do it and I think it's such a big thing for me like I'm very I'm very visual I, I love video I love photography and so to put all that out and have it all beautifully create curated on a screen that that sits well with me and I feel like it sits well with what you know is happening with social media now so I don't, I don't really know where where or how I found the confidence I've always been fairly confident I think and speaking to people it's funny I'm more nervous now speaking to just you than I would be on a story where two or three thousand people watch every day mm. um I don't yeah I think it just depends on what it is I I, I have never done a live I wouldn't do a live because that freaks me out <laughs> this I mean, is a live you know, I know, but like on Instagram, when people can ask you questions, I feel like they can ask questions I don't know the answers to. I still get, I still have imposter syndrome. I still get scared and nervous. I still think, oh, should I have posted that if I do something new? Um, but you just have to just, I don't know, just trust yourself, post it and just be, as long as you're being true to yourself and you're not being, you know, a horrible person, I think that people will understand, even if you make a mistake, they, they, they people are happy to tell you. Mm. <laughs> Aren't they just... Yeah, very much so. It's 2023. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, right. Thank you for uh, allowing us to talk about the thing that everybody is desperate to talk to you about because of how successful you are. Now, I think let's let's see if we can't go a little bit deeper and and learn a little bit more about you, but also then see if we can't then apply that into a real estate context. And now you're thinking, this is why I don't do Instagram lives because people throw questions like this at me. Oh, I'm just I'm sat there like. Don't ask me the last book I read because <laughs> That's right. this, this isn't the opening the gates podcast. Don't worry. Sorry, Simon. <laughs> I, I, I'm interested. So when I, I mean, we've had the, the fortune of interviewing a couple hundred really good real estate agents over the last few years. And that has given data for like, or data for lack of a better way of describing it on where people seem to sit and what good looks like and what drives people to, achieve whatever their definition of success looks like and one of the really interesting things about the best of the best is is everybody has a bit of unconvention that they have outside of the estate agency world that directly sort of contributes to their success so i'm interested to know like have you got a, a hobby or a skill that you think is actually contributed i've never asked this question of anybody before but we often have conversations before and after we hit record where people are like yeah i used to do this and that really helps me open up or talk to people or that you know pushes me along to get things going or whatever it might be we had a question last week about uh what elite sport culture looks like compared to a state agency culture and the similarities there so i'm interested like what yeah you got any skills or hobbies that you think have contributed to your success um this is going to be really it's a little bit sad and I've never told anyone this but like um no not necessarily I think I am I'm very competitive but I don't let that kind of uh become you know go too much into this world because I think the more, when you become a bit too competitive it, become, it can easily become quite transactional and all you're caring about is the end result but I am I am competitive 
and I'm very much all or nothing which is a bit of a it can be a bit of a toxic thing it's like you, you I throw I've had times where I've thrown everything at the business and hardly get any sleep don't look after myself you know not eating properly not drinking not drinking enough water not going to the gym not, all that sort of stuff not leaving the house for like two days where I'm just focused on getting everything done um I think that you perform better when you have outlets so I was just you know before I was saying about I I joined the gym which has been really good for me mentally but I only really thought about this about a week or two ago and I haven't told anyone this I think that the like the raw side of it does sort of go back to social media as, as well so apologies on that but um I was bullied quite a lot in school and I was I was the I was one of the weird kids. I didn't have loads of friends. I wasn't like liked as such. And I think when you get to a place where people have such lovely things to say about you, and they and they ask you questions, and even like this, uh, you know, this is this is strange for younger me. I think when you get to a point where you're like people trust me and they like me, and that wasn't what I had when I was younger, and you kind of feel like oh my gosh, now I'm in this place where. I'm accepted for who I am yeah. that's really motivating to continue going on I haven't told anyone that before so <laughs> um yeah so I think that 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 kind of yeah that, that that's that I suppose thank you for sharing I, I it's interesting you talk about that so I had a, a relatively similar upbringing where I was like the skinny power kid amongst a sea of rugby playing tanned people right so there's like the the odd one out and I suffered from really heavy anxiety like to the point where some days I wouldn't go to school I never went to a, a party like a high school party till I was in year 11 and one night I was like I'm going to this party and I remember walking up to the front door and this girl Steph Gilmore was her name it was her parents house they were away it was going to be a sweet party apparently and I rolled in there with my 1.25 liter bottle of solo thinking I was awesome hopefully someone had some vodka or something and my my feet felt like lead boots because I was so anxious like it was the longest walk of my life. My heart was beating out of the chest. And then the door opened. And there was a mate of mine from high school. was like, Sam, you finally come to a party. And it, and it all went away. And I realized that a lot of the things that I had in my life, and this relates back to where do you find the courage to prospect and do social media and all this sort of stuff, was yeah. from me creating the story of worst case scenario rather than worrying about what the real scenario was in front of me. Yeah. And again thank you for sharing your story and allowing me to share mine but that they are not unique stories i think the, the the best of the best are the way they are because they've gone through stuff like that and they realize that actually they might be good today but if we don't keep up the good stuff um, and i'm going to ask you a question off the back of what you just said about your younger self in a sec because it, it twigs something really interesting in my mind but the only way we've you know, got the life that we actually want to live. And we were talking about how we found a bit more balance, <laughs> thankfully, both of us before we hit this yeah. is because we just treat every day as a new day and, and you're not too far focused on the future and you're definitely not focused on the past and who you might've been or whatever you might've been then. So with that in mind, uh, and this, this is now uh, maybe a, a deeper question I intended to ask, but I'm sure people listening to this are going to get something out of it. And so if you're up for answering, great. If not, we'll figure it out. If you were to write a letter to your younger self, so I, I've done this thing for the last 15 years, so I'm 36, and for the last 15 years, I've written myself a letter to myself in five years' time on the 25th, 30th, 35th birthday. So my next one, I'll read it when I'm 40, and I'll write one to my 45-year-old self. 
and I've written things like, congrats, man, you've done this and you've done that. And I'm so proud of you. And, you know, you've got these kids and that just where I think I want to be. And it's really interesting because 25 year old me and 30 year old me were really, really different people. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. 30 year old me and 35 year old me were sort of different, but not that bad. And I'm hoping I'm closer to who I am going to be at 40 now at 36 than I you know, was at 30. Right. So uh, I'm going to flip the question now after saying that. What would you write in a letter to your older self? So what would your five-year into the future letter say? Or if you want to answer what I was going to say originally, what would you write to your younger self? So I, I used to – I haven't done it for a while, and I, and I kind of – it fell off the wagon. But I used to write myself uh, – like a, I used to do something similar at the end of the year. So every December, kind of twenty between the 20th and the 31st, I used to sit and write a note. And I had five of them from this is going back years ago and I haven't done it since. And I keep I keep meaning to do it. But I think that the future is a nicer one to the mm. to, you know, to future self, because when you sit and you think, really, when you sit and you write, I have I have thought about it, you know, not put pen to paper or, you know, finger to pad. But you think about it, it's like I think I would probably say to to, to my younger self, I would probably say something along the lines of, um you know it's you'll you don't need don't worry about right now in the sense of trying to find you desperately try and find yourself and that anxiousness takes over trying to be someone you're perhaps not and trying to fit in with people who you don't necessarily maybe like in school but you feel you should be with mm. and that kind of thing I think it's just just be you and if, if I had a mini me if I had my I don't, I don't have kids yet but when I do in the future I think I'd just be like I'd say just be just be you just be unapologetically you and you'll find your you'll find your tribe it sounds a bit cringy but you'll find the people that love you for you without you having to sacrifice you know the beliefs that you have and the things that you care about because I've I've seen people do that I've seen people be someone they're not I've seen people change the things they believe in just to fit in and like, we can can't you can see it from the outside yeah. and then for my future self I think I'd just say I think I get really anxious in my mind about stuff that doesn't even matter like as it's funny you, you get so caught up about these little things and actually especially in this job because you're dealing with people all the time and you're, you're so you know anxious to make sure that that everything goes well for them and you're doing the right thing all the time you're second guessing yourself I think it's just go at everything with confidence. And I said this to got someone joining my team. Uh, I said to him, everything is about finding a place of comfort and confidence, not in a, not from a bad way, not, not comfort. So you're not doing anything and you just mm. sat there, but comfort as in I am comfortable with who I am. I'm confident with who I am and I feel happy in my own skin. So, and then, yeah, for, for future me, I'd say don't get caught up on, you know the things that don't matter don't don't spend too much time dwelling on you know if, if you know in the future it would be the case of okay you let that go and you, you you pass that on or whatever don't get so caught up in the in the little things I think and you have to just go out there and do it and have discipline with it because motivate I wrote about this the other day on Instagram the motivation does I don't think it exists as much as people think I think it's more a discipline thing mm. so that's something that I've realized over the past like six months or so it's discipline more than it is motivation but yeah that those would probably be the keynotes for me well put um and actually 
we we were talking about how we both rediscovered going to the gym as a way of switching off. And I tell you what, when my alarm goes off every morning and I don't want to go and I go, I feel really good halfway through. And it's like, yeah. it's not motivation. It's almost self-esteem more than anything else because you've sort of sacked up and got on with it. And then suddenly you're feeling really good because chemically your body's in a better place than it was if you were lying in bed feeling guilty about not getting out of bed. So yeah, there's agreed. there's a lot to be said for discipline in making yourself feel good. And then the moment you feel good, you end up doing good in whatever it is that you're doing. So, And I think as well, it's like it's almost like a muscle that you train. The discipline and the willpower muscle is like the more you exercise it, the more you do the things that you say you're not going to do. It's like a lot of people don't like door knocking, but actually most people, when you are, when you knock on the door and you do it right, are really well, but you know, if you, if you do it in a nice way, you know, you, you have the right thing to say, you don't just go, you know, I, I see you're not sold. Can I sell your house? <laughs> if you, if you I, I did something when I first started, one of the first things I did, and we were having this chat the other week about what would you do as a new agent? One of the thir- first things I did is I took my family road I didn't take my family. I, I I went to my family, my the place I grew up, and I just knocked on all the doors and I said, you know, hey, I'm Tanya. I, I grew up down the road. You know, lived here for twenty years or whatever it was, and uh, I just wanted to let you know that I've set up my own estate agency. And I thought, if you if you ever think of anyone that's thinking about moving, would you think of me? Or, or and there were people like hard. There was not one person on that road, and I know, and I ended up doing about a hundred houses. And I remember it vividly because it was one of the first things I did. And everyone was so, they would, because of the way that I'd done it and the approach that I took, everyone was so like gentle and, and kind and, and receptive. And, you know, oh, you know, I hope it goes well, you know, and I always thought Margaret across the road might be moving or whatever they might have said. And they chatted with me and or they spoke about how much they loved the area and they'd been there a couple of years. You know, what was it like living here for 20 years, whatever. When you go out and you, you're kind of like oh like I don't want to knock on these doors I don't want to do this when you actually do it it's not that bad and very much from a place of discipline if you if you I mean it's not for everyone and that's another thing I think trying to force yourself to do something you don't like doing there are lots of people who don't like social media there's lots of people who don't like door knocking there's lots of people that don't like making calls I hate making calls and I think it stems from the you've got to make 100 calls a day I think it's like ingrained in me but actually I hate making calls when I pick the phone up everyone's so lovely they're like how's the business I'm like this was really not as bad as I thought it was gonna be I was just used to don't call me do you know what GDPR or what was it at the time it was something else data protection do you know what data protect okay like okay I won't call you again but no one no one does that no one Mm. everyone's like I haven't heard from you how I'm like okay this is not as bad as I thought it was I like that. I was going to, I was going to say, let's wrap up with something hugely practical to go along with your go at everything with confidence, which I, I really like that. I wrote that down, but I think you've just nailed it. If you're going to go door knocking, go at it with confidence. If you're going to yeah. make phone calls, go at it with confidence, pick up the telephone and, you know, tell yourself that you are actually going to provide a little bit of value to the person on the other end and not just knock on their door and say, Hey, your agent sucks. You should sell your house <laughs> with me. And I mean, yeah. I've I've seen uh, nearly three million letters go to properties that have been on the market with other agents, and some of them literally say, "He's not doing a very good job. You should call me. Here's my mobile number." Um, and... I can't believe the audacity of some of the letters I've seen. I'm like, yeah. you actually put that in an envelope and put it in the, in the post box and you sent it. Like, I I wish I had that much confidence. <laughs> yeah, we I I had a conversation last week with the 
like a national marketing director of a, a big business in the UK. And the, the comment that I left them with was if somebody's property has fallen through, the last thing you need to write in a letter is that they've fallen through. You don't need to tell anybody how to suck eggs. If their property has been reduced in price, the last thing that you need to tell them is that you've seen it's been reduced in price. Yeah. Right? That, that you can convey empathy in writing. There is absolutely no doubt that you can do that. And actually all you need to do is convey professionalism and then be considered. That is the job of this. Your door knock is not there to tell them how to suck eggs. Your door knock is there to have you considered as and when they're ready. If that agent doesn't pull their finger out and get a result. And if you target the right houses, every chance that you're going to get some opportunity, right? So if you can take that mindset into your phone calls, into your door knocks, into your letter writing, into your email marketing, into your social media, then you'll go at it with confidence. You'll do a lot better. So uh, we brought that back to real estate pretty well, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Very good. Well, Tanya, uh, thank you. Um, I really, really appreciate you giving me your time. Thank you for sharing um, such personal stuff on, on deep levels as well. I'll, I'll stick to the stock standard chat GPT questions next time for the next guest. And we'll just keep rattling out what we're going to do. But I think every now and again, it's really good to have one of these conversations. And I really hope that at least somebody listening understands it from the level that you and I did and has been there and lived that and has got through and is reaping the benefits from that experience as well. So from me, from Mark sitting on a beach somewhere, I don't know where he is, but he's on another holiday. Um, and from everybody listening, a, a really big thank you for today. We really appreciate your time. No, thank you very much, Sam. Thanks for having me.